This episode of Living Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a safe, trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. Head over to teamblind.com to get the latest insights into salaries, company reviews, and interview experiences at thousands of companies worldwide. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. And listen, audience is everything. How you engage and have the conversations you want to have, how you want to reach out to people and how you really build engagement is critical to anything you're trying to do. Right. Even if that's like just your job, like your nine to five job, how do you actually manage the people that you're having to communicate with to make sure you have their attention, making sure you have their buy in, making sure that you have their support? It's super important. And there's a difference in like, you know, having a bunch of numbers or like necessarily people report up to you and actually having influence. Right. There are plenty of people at your job. I know y'all know that they might be the formal person in charge, but no one really listens to them. They're not the person who really makes the decisions. There's like the people out there who actually have the influence that really make the decision. They have people out there who may not have the formal title, but people will run through a wall for them because they have the influence. They have almost like. A fan base. You okay? Alright, alright, alright. So the title of the show is Building Your Fan Base. Really excited because we're actually having a conversation with Isaac Hayes the third, son of a legendary musician, speaker, savant, Isaac Hayes. I'm really, really thankful for his time on the pod. He came on, he was like, Look, I got 30 minutes for you. I say. I get it, big dog. So we had a really good time. <laughs> hopefully, if you listen to Isaac, hopefully it made you laugh. Uh, but no, we talked about quite a bit, talked about his startup fan base and talked about um, really like the reality of like black creative in this moment, especially in light of if y'all been seeing in the news, um, the, uh, the exploitative experiences that black creators are having on or have had on Triller. Um, but frankly, that has been going on since you know, social media became a thing, right? Like black folks have been exploited from the jump. So it was really cool having Isaac on. And we were just talking about like his own experience and like the push behind building this uh, and where he sees fan base going. So make sure if you haven't already uh, download fan base, click the link in the show notes. And I'm excited for y'all to hear this conversation because very rarely do we get um, black tech founders who have like blown up at this rate. Like, their success has been incredible. And so I'm excited. Hopefully you can glean something from this, depending on where you're at. Irrespective if you're if you're like a tech founder, you're nine to five, a lot of com- a lot of um, stuff around relationship building and strategy all in this. So we'll see you in a second. Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. 
So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. You're building a culture of belonging. Every word counts. That's why Textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content. Our industry-leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power. And at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone. What's going on, y'all? It's Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting, and I've teamed up with Living Corporate to bring you all a weekly career tip. This week, let's talk about three things I think all professionals need to schedule regularly. Do you know when the best time to find a job is? Well, let me help you out. The answer is when you're not looking for one. Searching for a job can be stressful. Think about it. Trying to not only remember what you did the last four years of your career, but also having to write it down in a compelling way. Attending a ton of events in a short amount of time to try and make new connections in hopes that that uncomfortable first interaction leads to a career. Connecting with people on the internet thinking that maybe, just maybe, someone will reach out with an opportunity. All of that induces a ton of anxiety and honestly doesn't position you for success in your job search. That's why I think there are three things that all professionals, no matter if they love or hate their job, should schedule on their calendars to help them in landing their next role. The first thing is time to update your resume. As I said earlier, trying to update your resume after four years of not touching it is the worst, especially if you find that the application is due tomorrow or someone says, hey, shoot your resume over to me now and I'll see what I can do. If you put 30 minutes on your calendar every month to update your resume, while everything is pretty fresh in your brain, you'll keep yourself out of those binds because your resume will always be ready. The second thing that should be on your calendar is time for LinkedIn. Being active on LinkedIn can build up your network, which in turn can help you in your job search. But being proactive about this allows you to build genuine, authentic connections that makes people want to help you in whatever way they can. There are a few things I suggest you get on your calendar when it comes to LinkedIn. First, I suggest scheduling a time to update your profile monthly around the same time you update your resume. Second, make some time to create posts and engage with other people a couple of times a week at least. The third thing is time to network. Since most jobs are filled through referrals, this is key. The best time to build and warm up your network is when you don't need them. But remember, networking doesn't always mean going to events. It also means warming up connections you haven't talked to in a while. Since all connections run in different circles, they tend to provide different information than what you or your inner circle have access to. And you two already have previously established rapport, so they are more likely to help you. Oh, and yeah, you should go to the events too, and be sure to always follow up. Having these things on your calendar at regular intervals will help you remain accountable and also set you up for when you really need that new job. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn.
This episode of Live in Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. On Blind, professionals connect and have honest discussions about salaries and what it's really like to work at or interview with a company. You can also join your private company channel to have a candid and safe conversation with your coworkers about what's really going on. And because it's anonymous, you can be honest and trust what you read. Check out teamblind.com to get the latest insights and the answers to your workplace questions. It's brought to you by Doximity. Over 90% of graduating medical students join Doximity to use our tools before earning their doctoral degree. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. You want to learn more about Doximity? Make sure you go to your app store, type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Isaac Hayes the third. What's going on, baby? How you doing? What's up, man? What's good? Hey, first of all, you're looking phenomenal over there. Uh, very clean uh, image, looking really good, man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Hey, man. Look, it's technology. It's technology. The technology. Well, you know, it's funny. We have this is the whole conversation we have today is all about technology. Now, yeah. you and I, we connected back on the Chatty Patty app so so many moons ago. Um, we're gonna talk about. What we came here to talk about, but like I told you before, we press the record button. I gotta ask a couple mm-hmm. questions, man. Look, you're the son of 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 art of top three voices of all time. Like you also uh, are an accomplished producer and uh, an artist in your own right, man. What is it like just to carry the Isaac Hayes name? It's an honor, um, to be honest. I think um, the legacy that my father left is one that is golden. You know, um, and he was such a, an amazing artist, a creator, humanitarian and, and black man. So um, I feel proud to bear his name and continue the legacy in my own way uh, of black excellence for sure. Now, I'm blown away at like the fact that not only did you come out, you created, you have your own startup, your own company. But you've you've raised like you've you've gone through raises like you've been and you've and you've built something that, frankly, is being seen as a threat because it is to the status quo. Now, look, I could talk a little bit around it, but I just want to give you space. Talk to me a bit about fan base and how it's how it is in certain ways kind of diametrically opposed to the current social media platforms. Like what makes it unique I think what what makes fan base unique is it's it's probably the first attempt to actually allow users to connect with as many people as possible globally. Right. Um, Most of the platforms that we use on social media are done through advertising. So there's a very kind of slick way that they suppress users to run ads because the reach that you naturally would have based off your organic following would give you the leverage over the platform. So, um, you know, fan base doesn't really care about that because advertising is not our initial goal. It's not the way that we kind of designed the platform to be. Um, I wanted people to be able to have subscribers globally to anything, you know, they create any type of content in a multitude of forms. So it definitely is something that, is um, different and opposes what 
you know, the Facebooks and the, the Instagrams and Snapchats and TikToks of the world have been doing. So that's our difference. You know, I, I'm curious because I see I've signed up for fan base. I see a bunch of different people using. Let's like walk through some use cases like like what's the applicability of fan base for like a band versus like a brand versus like an individual creator. Like talk to me about like the appeals of each of those kind of personas. Well, I mean, for all three, nobody reaches their full potential, right? So if I took like an artist or someone like The Weeknd, I think The Weeknd has like 30 or 40 million followers on Instagram. But if you look at the unique views of his videos, he's only reaching like three to four million people. So for him, someone like some someone using like him using fan base would give him the access to turn his his core fan base, you know, let's say two million people into a subscriber base that would pay him month over month um, and give him the ability to share content and things. And, you know, I always say I think fan base will provide an opportunity for celebrities to own their celebrity. So rather than get on TMZ or sit down with some interview and spill the tea, you can tell your tea uh, and and have people subscribe to see that interview. I hate when artists have issues, personal issues, drama going on in their lives, and they run to IG Live or they run to you know some media outlet. DJ Vlad. Yeah, it, it doesn't return no no you know real value to them. So that's one for artists. And, and there's millions, if not billions of dollars available there um, over the course of a five or 10 year period for artists to maximize that way. For brands, what I love about that is it creates this business to consumer relationship. It actually allows brands to reward users for actually representing the product. So I feel like fan base is going to turn everybody into an influencer where they want to be one or not. So let's say hypothetically you post a pair of Nike shoes. Um, and Nike comes on your fan base page and drops $300 worth of love on the photo that you shared. Or you post, you know, uh, you riding in your, your Mercedes Benz and being in a Mercedes goes, man, gas prices are high right now. Here, fill up on us. Here's like, you know, $100 worth of love. So I think brands also have this unique opportunity to create content that they never would have done before. There's never been, you know, um, an opportunity for, let's say a, a company like Louis Vuitton to create fashion content that people can subscribe to and turn themselves into their own Netflix. And then for the, for the average user, think about um, 5,000 people, just 5,000 people subscribing to you and you making $2.50 a month. That is $12,500 a month. That's $150,000 a year. And that's more money than 96% of Americans make. All you need is 5,000 people. So I know the, the people that are on social media with a million followers, 2 million followers that are broke. Don't worry about that. All you need is 5,000 people to pay you more than what you know most Americans make. And, uh, and even way more than that if you really excel at what you do. You know, it's interesting. You know, Isaac, I, I talked about it at the beginning. Like, you're a founder. Like, you're a tech founder. Um and you just finished around, you know, raising uh, two, a little over two point six million. Before that, you had crowdfunded three point four. Talk to me about like your journey being the founder of this company, um, of this app, of this whole new space, um, and how you continue to like maintain uh, a certain level of control and autonomy. It's my my biggest concern, man. I'll say this is like. When living corporate, we've been thinking about exploring, like, hey, what does it look like to get into, like, to raises and things of that nature? 
Um, but my the the nagging fear I have is like, okay, but like I created this to kind of get away from the corporate white controlled nonsense. I'm nervous mm-hmm. about getting to a place where I see so much power that I'm basically ending up back where I started. Right. So like, talk to me about like, how, how do you navigate that and how have you navigated it? Um, so far so good. Uh, I think that equity crowdfunding kind of is a departure from traditional venture capital because it comes from the users. And I thought that it's a unique opportunity with regard to social media, because when you invest in equity crowdfunding and other startups, usually it's some sort of, tangible product that's going to take some sort of development and you don't know if everybody's going to use it but i think social media is something that a lot of people take interest into so if you're interested in social media it's it's an area and a space that you can invest in and then actually have equity and ownership in and use at the same time so right now you know there is no you know major board we have uh, eight thousand amazing investors we've raised six million dollars and we've done it without venture capital they don't really like that because it limits the ability for them to li- control your valuation, lower your valuation, um, ask for more than than you know what they probably should have or should get. And so, I think um, that that part is good. I think to scale the company, though, venture capital is going to be needed, and it's finding the right partner that understands the vision of what fan base is, and then everything else is just about how you structure your company. You know how you legally, financially corporately structure your company to make sure that you can remain and uh, see your vision through. Man, I love it, man. So now something you just recently talked about, you just tweeted this talking about how all these different social media platforms um, will eventually die. Right. You know, you think like some, they come and they go, they come and they go. And you said, look, fan base is still a basically a newborn baby. Talk to me about like, you know, like what your ultimate vision is for fan base is 20. We're recording this in 2022. Let's just say between like now and like 2025. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I definitely want to emerge as a successor to the other social media platforms. I think when you first start, people immediately try to pit you against the current platforms that are out there because you're coming up in their space in their era. But I always look at them as like older people. Right. So I look at Facebook as a senior citizen. Um, I think Instagram is like 50 plus in app years. Um, Snapchat is absolutely a millennial platform and, and TikTok is a centennial platform. And so what I want fan base to do is position itself as a successor, as the as the, you know, the evolution of what these other platforms started. And if we go back from MySpace and before MySpace to Black Planet, which was the original social network, um, you see that those platforms, especially my MySpace, is pretty much is all but dead in a sense. So I think we're we're living long enough to see what is the true lifespan of a social network. Um, uh, Facebook will be twenty years old next year. Wow! So it will see what happens in twenty years. So post twenty years, let's see what happens with Facebook and their user base because I think they're in a position right now to kind of desperately get younger. So for fan base, I just see fan base as the new kid on the block that absolutely disrupts. I mean, disruption is really what is the key to technology. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not pissing people off, if you're not scaring people, if you're not really having people worried about where you are, then you're doing it wrong. And I think fan base really has a lot of people concerned because of our motivation and our foundation. Man, I love it. You know, so we, we haven't talked about it explicitly to this point in this conversation, but I want to ask about it 
more and more we're seeing the conversations arise around exploitation of black creators on all social media platforms, mm-hmm. notably TikTok right now. But 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 I mean, the conversation before TikTok was around, of course, we had Vine and like how all like a lot of those Vine folks are like the white folks. They have movies and they have brand deals and so on and so forth. And some of these black folks are not doing that. So talk to me about how, you know, fan base helps to empower uh, historically marginalized creators. Well, when you look at the landscape of current social media platforms, they're advertised based, right? So the ad based platform. So now if you're going to advertise, you want to advertise to the broadest audience possible. So you're going to include the majority of white users of these platforms. And so what, what platforms like TikTok especially focus on, which I call are like cultural appropriation machines, right? That um, they're cultural appropriation machines that limit the ability for the user to actually grow. And it's not really the fault of the platform in the sense of its design. Like TikTok is designed for everybody to mimic each other. That's not a problem. It's when they need white eyeballs on white creators and white views to run ads to make money. So it would behoove the platform to have very, very famous white people as opposed to very, very famous black people. And I use the example of you could take every popular black television show ever and put it on one network. So you could take Real Housewives, Snowfall, you know, uh, Blackish, Abbott Elementary, you could take everything and put it on one channel and it's still not going to get the ad value that um, a network that has a larger white audience would get. So it doesn't matter. So that's really the point behind the way that these platforms are designed. They're designed that, okay, you, we're going to get the dance from you guys. We're going to let the, the young kids copy it, which is fine. The white kids copy it. But now we're going to make them the stars. So we have those views to get those ads. And that is the design of the platform. Um, fan base is just entirely not ad-based. And so I want, I don't care who the most successful person on fan base is. They could be white, they could be black, they could be whatever. But I know that at the core, their talent and their and their energy is going to rise to the top of the platform and make them the most famous. I'm, there's not going to be any manipulation to wait, manipulation in the way that the other people are allowed to, to rise up and, and be successful on platforms like TikTok. That's not going to happen on fan base. I'm sure everybody, people love asking these type of questions on Clubhouse. If you would give one piece of advice to the creators, what would it be? You know, so, but I'm not going to ask you that. That's <laughs> a I, good question, though. It, 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 is, it is, it is, it is. I don't know, Isaac sometimes may be in the room. So it, the 18th time, you're like, all right, bro, you know. So anyway, so, but let me ask you this, though. I will ask you this. Why did you ch- end up choosing Start Engine for your crowdfunding as opposed to, Kickstarter or other platforms like what was it about that particular platform um, that drove you to it because you used it more than once so like what was what was it about that platform well it it was just a recommendation by a friend um, Monique Idolette who is a a, a angel investor herself has a VC company Um, and then a friend of mine by the name of Don Dixon was successful multiple times on start engine at raising. And so between the two of them, that was just kind of the direction I got pointed in. And I looked to Dawn as a mentor um, in the space who taught me how to like crowdfund to say, this is the way that you do it. You know, you have to really live your raise because people are also investing in the product, but they're also investing in you. And so I think it gave an opportunity for people to see my dedication and knowledge about the space and then see the tech itself 
and touch it. And then, you know, it just made perfect sense. So Start Engine has done wonderful um, for me. You know, we've done two successful raises. I keep asking if I'm going to do a third. I can't say unless we until I launch it. But um, uh, if I if I do decide to launch one, um, it will be on Start Engine again. Um, and we'll continue to do that. Awesome, man. Well, look, I will ask. I, last thing I will ask is, you know, you, you we're, we're looking at this platform. We're looking at this space right now. Um, a lot of things are going on as like we have a cocktail of different uh, situations right now between inflation, potential recession, higher in, money's getting increasingly expensive, uh, continual mm-hmm. layoffs in tech in this tech space. Talk to me about like advice you would give, like three points of advice you would give to tech founders looking to start their founding journey in this environment? Well, I think the VC space is definitely going to be a lot more cautious and a lot more resistant. Um, I'll give you the advice that Chamillionaire gave me, who I talked to a few days ago. Get it from wherever you can get it right now. You know what I'm saying? So Start Engine, I think, um, is a platform, like I said, and, and, and what I like about Start Engine and equity crowdfunding is you're actually giving ownership to the people that invest. Kickstarter is like it's a donation, but I, you know, and I might get to get the product first, but actually being able to have ownership um, in a product. And I think that's really what matters the most because the users of social media directly affect the value of the platform. Right. If Everybody left Instagram tomorrow. Instagram, we worth zero dollars and zero cents. So therefore, offering people the, offer, the opportunity to own part of a platform and then come to that platform and then become um spokespeople for that platform and advocates of that platform is really the best way to do so so that's what i would say i think one is just get the money wherever you can get it um two i would say uh you know if you are you know save your money if you, if you have money now be very very thoughtful about ways that you spend your capital because this probably is going to go on for about another like maybe 10 months where it's going to be pretty lean out here and tough to get capital. Um, and then I, I think uh, if the third the third piece of advice I would probably say is continue to, to look at ways that you can scale your company without capital, right? The most organic way that you can um, be able to build your business, right? And that's hard depending on what the business is. If you're in the hardware game, you're just gonna need capital to build. Um, if you're in the software game, I think you can still start like small beta groups, people that really understand it. So it gives you time to kind of test the product with a small group of people and let people know exactly what's going on and fine tune it while you can, while you're like trying to figure out whether or not you're going to jump out there and raise capital. Um, it gives you time to kind of perfect your craft and just use this time as opportunity to really figure out that that product market fit that's going to make sure that you can cut through, possibly cut to through two VCs, or if you decide to crowdfund, just make it an easier lift. Man, Isaac, look, I appreciate you. I'm a fan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I, you know what? I don't know if Thanks. anybody's ever said this before, but I'm going to say it to you, man. Shout out to your work, man, with a little Scrappy and them, dog. Like those like those records, they got me through high school, Thank dog, you, for real. <laughs> Thank you, man. Hey, man. That's, People don't... That was, that was, a long time ago. People don't twenty years. People don't know though. Dog. I'm telling you, like, I graduated in '08. So, um, yeah. yeah, when that money in the banks, hey, yo, that song was at the dances at the high school dances. Oh, yeah. Come on now, let's yeah. not. I'm from Dallas, so that song was like we love Lil Scrappy oh, down here. Yeah, oh, I know. You know, 
I know it went over. A little known fact mm. about that record was I know that Young Buck wound up on the record, but the first time we when we finished that record, the first person we sent that to was Paul Wall. Uh, for whatever reason, he didn't get on it, but we we sent it to Paul Wall. Like we had that screwed up hook. We were like, yo, this is it. But it wound up, it wound up where it needed to be. Man. It went where it needed to be, man. Look, hey. Shout out to you. Shout out to Fanbase. Y'all, this is not an ad. It is off the love. Uh, and uh, Isaac, yeah. man, we'll catch you soon, man. I'm going to see you on that app, too. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, now. Peace. And we're back. Yo, shout out to Isaac Hayes the third. Shout out to Fanbase. Man, just shout out to, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, early 2000s hip-hop, man. Early 2000s rap straight up because y'all didn't know isaac was a producer but man he had he had our dances lit them songs was fire in the south um until next time make sure y'all check out fan base make sure y'all give us five stars on apple Podcasts, and um yo check out the website man living-corporate.com livingcorporate.co livingcorporate.us livingcorporate.org.blog.net you know what i'm saying we going we i told y'all i've been saying this for years we have all the living corporates besides livingcorporate.com and I, I'm thinking it's coming soon. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all, y'all reach out into the ancestral realms, touch and agree with me that uh, we're gonna get this domain anyway. Living-corporate.com, livingcorporate.com, or livingcorporate.everything but.com. Just, just type in living corporate. Google it. It'll pop up. All right. Make sure y'all get familiar. Till next time. This has been Zach. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Living Corporate is brought to you by Textio. Today's top talent is everywhere, representing everyone. And our work environment should reflect the level of inclusion to meet that standard. Textio achieves this in building more equitable company cultures through the language we use in our job postings. That culture is formed one hire at a time, making the words we use to reach more diverse candidates all the more important. Our advanced language insights and employer brand content is what drives our mission of inclusion. Through our industry-leading application of artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're able to widen companies' reach in finding and building upon the very diverse talent that empowers a culture of belonging. Every door should be open to every qualified job seeker. Again, that's Textio.